Hi, I'm Ricardo Deacon. Hi, I'm Orla Martinez. Very fluid today. I liked how soft that was, though. I enjoyed it immensely. Yes, yeah, so I'll change the pace since of the flu that I have. <coughs> I'm tired. Mom flu. Hi, you're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. This is the Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie that the other person hasn't seen, and then we meet to discuss it. This week's film was chosen by Orla. Mm-hmm. It is... Force majeure. Uh, the synopsis is I'm doing, doing it arseways as per usual because <laughs> I don't have the sheets with me. My one job. Uh, so the synopsis is a man's selfish reaction to the danger posed by an avalanche causes cracks in his marriage and relationship with his children. <sighs> that sounds bleak, Ricardo. Just realized that children and chicken are spelled very similar. Don't eat the children. <laughs> It is directed by Ruben Oslum, with a screenplay by Ruben Oslum, starring Johannes Bakunke, Lisa Loven Kongsley, Christopher Hivju from Game of Thrones, uh, who will forever be from he's Game a, of Thrones. He's on lots of things. Though. I think he might be in Vikings as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen him? Uh, it'd be like, he wasn't even in the fucking cast list. He just walked into <laughs> yeah, set by like, mistake. Oh, hi. Clara Wettengren and Vincent Wettengren. Uh, there's also other people. That Are they siblings in? then? Uh, it seems to be oh, the case. They do look very similar. Interesting. That's the children we're talking about, I assume, because they were the last two. Yes, yes. Ricardo's uh, was reading this from his phone screen. It's all very haphazard. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm free-flowing today. Uh, it is produced by Eric. Let's make it a feature, all right? Let's make it a feature. Produced by Eric Hemmendorf, Marie Jelson, and Philippe Bober. And music by Ola Flotum. Cinematography by Frederick Wenzel and edited by Jacob Sescher Schulziger. So we go. <laughs> I butchered every single name there. Yeah, but you just kept going, unlike me. I try to perfect them even though it's never going to happen. So it takes me yeah. much well, longer. Like, you could try Ricardo to use every single uh, accent <laughs> <Yeah>. into Donegal. <laughs> All those new letters, you know. That Donegal <laughs> German accent of yours. <laughs> so, Orla, you chose this movie. Why? I did. Uh, well, I was thinking back to when I saw this. And uh, like so many movies, uh, I saw this on a date. Um, oh, Jesus <laughs> Yes. I swear to God, I did not pick it. Um, but uh, yes, I was just thinking, like, I saw Room on a date. I saw, like, Carol. Oh, that's very romantic. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, saw... I know somebody that saw Room by mistake when they wanted to watch The Room. Oh, God. Oh, golly. There's like, when does it start being funny? Never. Oh, That's the answer to that. Never. Never. When does it start being good? Never. Ooh, controversial. Sorry, Lenny. Um, I'm very excited about his new movie, though. Uh, yeah, no, I also was thinking back to well, where... It's supposed to be good, but perhaps a little stranger than... Uh-huh. Hey, thank you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I saw this as well. I was trying to think, I was like, where was I? And I actually, I was in the same screen I saw Cold War and the IFI. It was the tiny, tiny upstairs screen. What's that screen too, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, so, I forgot that I didn't see, didn't see Cold War with you. So. Uh, yeah. 
we're not always together uh, but uh, <laughs> just most of the time uh, yeah and I was thinking back and I was like I remember really enjoying it because I, I don't think as well it was like either it was during the day or it was early evening or something so you know I was quite kind of like poised for it and I was quite I remember being very excited to see it and uh, so I was actually it popped into my head the other day it's funny enough it didn't pop into my head whenever uh, his most recent film The Square came out um, but I it just popped into my head and I was like I wonder has he seen it and I was so happy when you hadn't because I was re- I really wanted an excuse to rewatch it uh, yes I knew I could have just watched it but you know it's hard to fit these things in um, so cause I, I you know I was so excited to watch it and then I was even more happy that it stood up on a second watch and it did not disappoint um like oh it's just it's such a sharp like piece of work sharp as in like you know it's it's very cold and cutting let's say but at the same time sharp as in like thematically visually performance wise like it's it's you know it's it's kind of like um it's an uncomfortable treat is how I would describe it um and actually, it reminded me a little bit of L. Actually, um, this time around as well, it, it gave me a similar discomfort. Where it gave me, even though like thematically they're they're quite different, but like not well, not a million miles away. Like you're kind of getting two quite sort of like cutting um, critiques of society, let's say, and especially kind of like you know upper middle class, um, like you know bourgeois kind of I don't know how that applies to Swedish people but anyways um it just seems it seems appropriate in relation to French people and wrong somehow but you know that the kind of the tight buttoned up upper middle class Swedish people let's say or you say like like European people in general um but yeah it gave me a similar feeling of like kind of like building discomfort but at the same time it's so enjoyable um like it's it's like it's a Swiss watch as well as I would describe it. Um, it kind of it plays ex. It's kind of like the the way that the the film is is. Um, I don't think it maintains it the whole way through. Like we'll talk about the ending, which I think is a little bit problematic. But I think that he manages to maintain and like despite the fact that he has his like big set piece, let's say, of the actual avalanche very early into the film. But the film just like builds to that point and then builds afterwards. Like builds a feeling of like just like unease and. And tension and like oh god when are these people going to unravel and uh, I feel like the the way how tautly that the film is constructed like visually and um the, the framing like oh um plays quite well against the sort of like frail and emotional characters a lot of emotions in this There's a lot of people hiding emotions a lot of people displaying emotions it's very like you know these people are just broken humans they're unraveling in front of us and um like I just I love it because at the start they're just people you love to hate you know <laughs> like because they're so they're in this beautiful resort you know and they're they're a happy little family and they're there and they all sleep in the bed and you know all this bullshit and like so watching the unraveling it's just perfection I've enjoyed it so much I love about this is just like as the film builds so much of it is you're waiting for people to speak waiting for people to say something people are waiting for the door to close before they can have a conversation or you're waiting for someone to speak their mind I love waiting it's so oh I find that I just I find this film so enjoyable um I think like you know the film it's obviously has a lot to say about like society let's say and I feel society man society society um (laughs) 
my Vince, Fuck society. My Vince Vaughn impression. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> I feel like sometimes he's he's a he has a you know it's just, it's in a similar vein, but of say a more playful version of Yorgos Lanthimos. He's he's kind of he's, he's he's there's a similar vein he's tapping into there. Well, in fairness, the the favor looks fairly playful. I can't wait to see it. Oh yeah, and like yeah, I mean to be fair as well, like I mean his last movie, you know, I I think that he maybe he's becoming less twisted, perhaps. Although Killing of a Sacred Deer is a very twisted movie, but I he he's getting a little bit more into his. I thought Lobster was his funniest. Oh work. yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Lobster like, was amazing. Yeah, the so Lobster's funny. better. As yeah, I think Spe- that's especially probably because the... the last thing happens in a restaurant in Clondalkin, which is the weirdest ending for <laughs> oh, a movie. Oh, the knife. I forgot. Isn't it? I thought it was City West or somewhere that place. No, no, it's uh, Joel's <laughs> in the uh, I love that. over the, the uh, new the, the those M4 European bypass. Irish co-productions. Um, but uh, yeah. next to the Louis Fitzgerald Hotel. <laughs> All right, you've you've set the scene for us. Thank you. Ruined that movie forever. Um, but I think that's that's actually the best comparison to this as well, and how like in that he it's a much more kind of like. Um, like um obviously ab- not abstract but say kind of like you know he's created a whole new world etc of like but at the same time it's a similar because obviously like it's the skewering of like modern relationships and particularly like a particular kind of marriage as well like these very like buttoned up kind of like cultured people um that's not a million miles away from what Yorgos Lanthimos is doing and the idea of like <coughs> monogamy and I mean he touches a little bit in it here as well in like what I think is a great confrontation particularly because I was just reading an article on um uh polyamory polyamory polyamorous polyamorous people in the Guardian the other day and I was like I find this so interesting how people react to it and stuff really interesting like how she reacts to it and how what that says about her and her relationship and her like it's i love that encounter so much particularly where it falls in the film um and uh yeah like he's saying a lot about like gender roles and parenting and relationships but i think one of the most interesting is modern masculinity like definitely like it's it's like not just the facade of it and how frail it is like oh like the scene in the bar whatever the girls come over is just because the camera doesn't move so much of the time he does not move the camera he just lets things unfold and very purposely where the camera is and I love that so much how the girl, they keep coming back in and how like their embarrassment how the two of them deal with it and it's you know after all this stuff has happened it's just it's marvellous to watch and like I just love how like he refuses the director refuses to shy away from how Aesthetic his his male character is and what i find so like like delicious and just like watching thomas is that like fundamentally like for him he finally comes to the realization and he has this kind of like breakdown in the hallway which is so funny um it's it's that he feels like more than anything that he's failed as a man for him that's the thing he's failed as a man you know and what a man should be not as just like a human or a parent as a man and how like flawed even that interpretation of a situation is uh yeah like what's I just love about uh, wonderful about like the disaster itself like the disaster that isn't a disaster uh is how like insidious the whole thing is and how like it grows it grows within the characters it grows outwards to other characters (laughs) and I just love how it just it just breeds in everyone like it starts affecting their children quite early on and by the end of it the children are are distraught like these cool little kids that go skiing you know like by the end of it they're just like screaming because they have no capacity to like you know it uh and like just the how every weakness and insecurity is exposed in every character um but the like how the way that he 
like de de like deals with all this is through this very cold objective humor but like the thing about this film is that there are at least like four laugh out loud moments as in like where i'm like laughing you know which doesn't happen an awful lot where i you know and like what like there's a number of them but like i mean the drone where that the like, drone camp like where it just like literally well i was watching it the other day and i just fell off the sofa laughing because it's just out of nowhere like vroom. it's so good and like I, the entire scene in the restaurant whenever they first when she first brings it up and it's the way he shoots that as well it's the two two shots and the back and forth and how he uses the background as well and how like the happy birthday comes in and everything and it's so perfect everything is on their faces and how like the awkwardness of that moment it's so uncomfortable but just so funny uh, and then also like the guy smoking um, it's you know it's a little kind of almost like Chris Mackey little nod there with your guy and he's like you know asking for some privacy in your man's instead like the guy then he's the guy that has to let him in whenever they lose the key card and it, you know what well, has he seen yeah I, well yeah but it's the recurring of the character that that guy he's such a great face it's such great casting that the guy never speaks um but uh yeah that also just the crying in the hallway because the crying is so like it's a scene it, do, it doesn't feel real he's like he's he's crying like no human it's oh it's just so funny but uh yeah look the, the the way he shoots this like so much of this is just him like letting everything unfold in wide shots but also his use of framing when characters are often cut out of the frame like the, particularly whenever they're at dinner and she's you know going you know, about on on her way to her breakdown and like it, it's just it's so enjoyable to watch and all the like weird creepy shots of all the machinery going around and everything and like they're beautiful but they're creepy as fuck and all i could think of was those cabaret's ads do you remember whenever they had like all the um the air traffic control stuff and like all yeah. the all the air <laughs> you know that oh, but this is like the dark version of that and all i could so think the was, white chocolate version yeah uh-huh. all i could do you remember dream bars they were so nice but like <laughs> his use of like uh <laughs> frame as well there was something almost like cohen-esque Cohen's-esque about it as well like I mean uh, it's just the way he frames faces like the something there's something so perfect about how the morning after the two whenever the two guys are on the the uh, the chairlift and they're clearly neither of them have slept and they're both just there and they're like almost swaying with the exhaustion of the night before and like trying to power through it you know if we just go and ski everything will be fine it's all on their faces I love how that's shot um but yeah, like I just I love watching them trying to process what's happened, and you know it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. Oh, my, you know, and yeah, I, I just I fi- I find this so enjoyable. And um, on that note, what did you think of it? Well, like uh, I hated this movie. I hated the characters. I hated the situations. I hated the way that it made me feel. That's why I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> excellent <laughs> i know it's so good <laughs> uh i don't think it's as good as the square i haven't oh that um, was one of my gonna be one of my questions i hadn't seen the square which is probably i actually why... saw the square in the same screen that you saw Did for you? sure yeah <laughs> what is it with ifi i feel like that's always where i'm sent like <laughs> so funny uh perhaps it's where they put the mid like art house movies not too crazy for cinema three and not mainstream and not for cinema one it's just the niche it's the best screen so fuck it yeah (laughs) to see something like this it was so perfect because you're so enclosed also that screen's freezing cold yeah so it worked quite well uh well like you don't need that fucking screen to be <laughs> like you could be having heaters all over you to feel cold watching this movie yeah uh like i say i don't think it's as good as uh 
as uh, the square because I think the square is more challenging as a, yeah. both a film. I think it was more divisive as well, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think that not only in the sense what he tries to tackle is a far more far more difficult theme and like the way that he goes about making the film. I thought the square was incredible. Well, I did love this movie. Uh, I think that it is. You can I tell do. in the I way. I really want to see it now after watching this again. I was like, oh. you kind of see where he picked up some of the skill sets to go in for to the square. Like it's yeah. almost a stylistic continuation, but in a way, especially with the music. And I haven't seen any of his earlier work, so no, I don't neither. know uh, how much uh, of an auteur has he been doing. But from one to the other, it just feels like a next step. That is using what he used, like the how uncomfortable this movie is, how visceral, how emotionally degrading it is to its characters. I think that he it does them. that. It's brilliant. It does that to in the square, but it also, uh, in a way, deals with somehow without losing that, makes it way funnier as well and way more uncomfortable really? and way more like difficult as a watch that oh because it comes with things with relating to art and sexuality and culture and what it means to be liberal and etc and masculinity again yeah and it beds there all together that there's no easy answers that i felt that this movie has in the end that it's like oh yeah hyper masculinity is bad like the hero of the movie is off screen it's flip Flip is the hero of the movie. <laughs> you know, the sensitive guy that is like new masculinity or whatever. And I think that there's still issues with that side of masculinity. Yeah. Because it's almost like, because we're not as bad as these other lads, we're good. And people try to stop. Give me a prize. Give me a prize. Kind of yeah. Give me a prize. Yeah, I didn't rape I'm, anyone. I'm woke. I haven't raped. Where, them. I mean. Oh come on! I, Fucking uh, one I of the, my pet a prize peeves for at the moment. Using my supposed feminism. One of my pet peeves at the moment is fucking people go, like woke guys the, who are secretly dickheads. Not only that, the the kind Just of most the, woke guys. the dichotomy of uh, uh, having so many people on Twitter that have the vote yes sticker complaining about people protesting in the streets for rents. <laughs> And they say, oh, how the fuck do you think you got the referendum, you absolute... Yes, yes. All those tag-alongers at the end. Oh, yeah. Like the, your man, the, the British guy that threw the pigeon at the women. Did you see that? No, what? Oh, the funniest thing he had. He threw a <laughs> pigeon? A pigeon head that he had in his pocket. And he's just crossing, like, during the protest on Saturday. And he's, like, British guy. But the definition of, like, a 50s dickhead British guy. Like, was he wearing tweed? He was wearing tweed and pink pants. And had a shaved head and button chops, okay? And big fat lad <laughs> as well. That's not a real person. He's a real person. <laughs> and they caught him on video just complaining at people, like, protesting. And then you're so, allowed to vote, aren't you? And this, what more do you want, and ladies? And this girl is recording him, and she he says, oh, "Get a fucking job!" And she goes, "It's Saturday." <laughs> <laughs> so he decides to 
fish to his pockets and pulls out a pinch of head. What do I have here? It was probably from like the British Museum or something. I don't know. And threw it at them. It's like some sort of like modern art, like the square, <laughs> like fucking the square has nothing on the fucking biting satire of like he he was the embodiment of Brexit. You know, like he was like if it became self-aware somehow and grew I feel a body. Like it is. It's like weird science, it's but with Brexit, you know, nebulous thing just spitting out bad Guardian headlines. And then, uh, but coming back to this film, uh, <laughs> the there's only two films in the like since I became and like grown up, and also somebody that understands how films are made. In in a way, I'm not saying that I'm the greatest film critic of the world, etc. But once you know how the I wish it were, make, then maybe this podcast would go viral. <laughs> Sure, fuck it. It's still still early days. <laughs> the, like, we're so niche, there's no way, like... Uh, what did I tell everyone who ever asks me? So what's going to happen with your podcast? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> like, it's amazing I, I, how stubborn we are, what's in a way. That we could have pivoted to make it more mainstream Why? somehow. But, like, somehow it makes sense to be in Dublin Digital Radio. Because oh, it's yeah. Like we're, it's uh, the perfect home. Come but, on now. But coming back to this movie, like the uh, horror movies don't uh, really terrify me. Uh, there are scenes that do it, like maybe a shot make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But in the whole, uh, I'm always, because horror above everything else is about structure mm-hmm. for it to work. And because it is so structurally structural you need you see it moving along what same way that even if you're not building up to a jump square is jump scare jump square that but it's the easiest way to describe uh, what i feel when i watch a horror movie it's like when you know that a jump scare is coming Mm. you might still jump Mm. but it it takes you out of the movie diminished yeah they're like but there's a couple movies that manage to do a possession the Kiloski movie like with Sam Neill make like the tunnel scene freaks me out to no fucking end and some yeah him on Twitter just fucking farming it's amazing it's just pictures of him with his pigs like oh (laughs) here's Winston or whatever the fuck he calls his pigs but he's only becoming more handsome yeah yeah the more rugged and like annoyed at everything he gets happy birthday (laughs) but when Nikki I get back at you like, I think it comes from an entire life of awkward moments that this movie like freaked me out like uh, <laughs> the dinner oh god in a way that it's less uncomfortable than oh the dinner as well it is th- that's what I mean that in a way because I was surprised by it but the dinner scene is shot like a horror movie yeah. even the way that it builds up by making it the awkward moment between the other couple that they just met that is like the other one. Oh, I met this this one and that he uses the same phrase and she gets crossed. Yeah. And everybody's like, no, no, don't get crossed. You yeah, call you him just, this one yeah. before. And then the dude had to be American. <laughs> so that's why I'm calling him the dude because <laughs> he looks like a dude. He, you know, like, he looks like a bro. And then... Uh, and she says, "Oh, you're extremely religious, aren't you?" Yeah, because just, anybody that I'm is just atheist, not an atheist. <laughs> yeah, but, but for me, anybody that when you're an atheist or agnostic, uh, any time that you meet somebody that is religious, it feels like they're extremely religious. Yeah. Because you cross the, the threshold. La- I don't care how lapsed you are. If you have any doubts, yeah. 
<laughs> but um but yeah like it, it builds up into the crescendo of when the happy birthday comes in so it's just one thing jumping into another into another oh and i think it's like the genius is when uh when he fucking fly, like my favorite bit in the entire movie is when they show him the footage of him running away and he's like I can agree that it looks like I'm running away and you, she's like but you can hear your footsteps as well <laughs> okay, he's, can we all agree he's clearly running away but Aww. at the same time uh, when uh, uh, I think that the message becomes quite model at the end uh, mm. even though the part that the fucking bus freaked me out oh, now and that's literally I wrote that down earlier because I was like I mean it should have ended whenever they come strolling out when they think that every, you know, no no that should but... have ended with the bus but <laughs> not like just leave it there as in the, they don't yeah, leave the or whatever just is, having it is, 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 is odd Weird, like, like it felt like the end of episode 6 of Band of Brothers when they're uh, going into yeah, Boston I, I'm like, not entirely curious. sure what it is he's trying to well like at the end of the day I think that like it's quite the problem is not the way that he says it it, not what he says is the way that he says it because I felt that as a man one of the few times that I think that because he's criticizing my gender and the way that we grow up mm. I think that as a man I picked up what he was meaning at the end but I, I'm watching it I went I wonder if women picked it up it yeah and they go because it's the sense of like when nothing is the validation but also the fact that they're not being instinctual because now whatever they find somewhere that is like a a, a, a dangerous situation their brain will kick in more to think next time that i'm in a dangerous situation i have to be extra manly so i can prove yeah. that i'm not a coward yeah but he's already done that on the mountain yeah but that moment i think that it's more than anything that uh, was designed by the wife to i don't think that she crashed i think that she created the environment to give him the leg up so they could just move on oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. she's yeah, but, fine there's nothing wrong with her yeah. <laughs> like but for him that moment is kind of like yeah he just lifted or whatever but it's like so obvious that uh, she's fine or whatever but also it's uh, also the gratification of uh, the Game of Thrones lad. Uh, I'm not even gonna attempt Matt's, like, Calm down, calm down, everyone. Well, Get off the bus and people. Yeah, yeah, women and children first or whatever. I love that how everyone panics to get yeah. off the bus. I was like, what are you doing? And I think that it gives oh. him also the uh, oh, the bus driver. The the the, the moment of uh, <laughs> gratification of success, and then how everything that they stood for, even though it was tested in the mountains they come out thinking that yeah we're kind of right like we're right that was just a blip <laughs> even the sense that the the daughter gets tired that he has to carry her and then you see that the little guy is still okay because he's a man he's a boy he's getting there and he's like do you smoke i am not smoking because of my family and now he's like fuck it I'm gonna smoke now. I just like this sense of gratification that is like I also, earned this. Also, because there's a difference between oh, I, I want to get off the bus to I'm lagging it from my kids. Yeah. Because if you're a in any way good husband or family, you just go up, follow it. You'd be expecting them to follow her out. Yeah. You know, it's not like, or it's not a minute by minute she probably would get off and if he didn't come off as well she'd be like get the kids out as yeah. well it's not a instantaneous but in his head 
He's like, she's just like me. She abandoned us. He's so happy about it. He's like, yeah. I'm You're not just rough. as fucking shit as I am. Yeah, and I think that is him reading completely wrong the situation, but it's kind of makes it even hilarious. But I do agree that it would have been way funnier if it just ended with that for no reason. Yeah. That would have been like the with boss the, the is boss fucking going brilliant. Like, like, oh my god. And it's so scary because at the start you're kinda of like, it's not that bad, calm down. And then you're like, oh Jesus. Oh my god. Oh my god, he can't drive. And if your man's just like, oh, oh jeez. Oh, and you're but like oh the, the part that killed me is when he's reversing and he can't get the clutch right and it just kind of keeps uh, bumping oh down even though there's like a really high wall you're still like no 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 I would rather walk the whole way down this mountain also can I just say did this film make you never want to go skiing no 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 like uh, I think that even because uh, I'm I'd be quite afraid of like fucking avalanches anyways so most because be of like, how quickly you die well, like usually it's for, not necessarily a bad thing. But for avalanches more than anything, it's uh, when you're off piste or anything that you can cause them. If you're skiing in the normal tracks, it's so flattened and controlled that, that yeah, that I know, happen. but like, you know, it's like how I will never go on a cruise right. because you're trapped there. Um, you're like, trapped in a boat in international well, like, waters. For me, I wouldn't Disney get into cruises you. more than anything that why pay that much money to be in the shopping center. Like, they're like, they're like it shopping centers. It's center. a floating shopping center, yeah. The part that I missed out in this movie that I wish it was shown is the parts of the actual resort that you go to shops or like the part in the restaurant. Yeah. I love that. Like They do I give you them. a little sense of how big it is. Even the fact that there's like a separate club and like, you know, there's a whole kind of like That is the weirdest scene. Oh, I love that so much because it's the flashes of how fucked they are. And like, <laughs> it's so gross. It's like, it's the other end, you know? Oh God, I love that so much. And it shows it in a way uh, very similar, even the way that they run towards them as if it was a zombie movie. That shot reminded me of 28 Days Later. Yeah. And then like he's inside, it's like, I'm with the zombies. I just like, there's one particular moment where, um, I love Ebba as well. Like I think um, that actress is really brilliant. But, because uh, I think that a lot of the time you're so much focused on him that you kind of like she's kind of there and like there's one moment where just her entire face is who the fuck did I marry <laughs> it's so perfect it's because just... it's not the running away she doesn't have no, a problem with that it's the denying it's the reaction afterwards and the fact that like even like she thinks this is going to be the big confrontation now and he still can't he just sits there he says nothing and you're just like what are you as a because human because like, they they, they at the same time, it, I don't think that it's, uh, it's him using the argument of the emotional versus the rational. Yeah. That it's, if there wasn't the evidence, he'd probably get away with it saying like, yeah, look, uh, this is what happens. You know, but it's the fact that he ke- he keeps saying perception. He says perception so many because times. Because it's the only it's defense all he, well, that yeah, he, it's has. All he has. Yeah. Because it, he can't change her mind because he knows that that's what happened. Yeah. So he has to just... I I didn't see it that way. No, no. Uh, I suppose I love how, like, whenever they speak, they switch to English as well. Because, like, obviously their English is really good. But it's the way he says particular things as well. It's like, I suppose we had... um, 
an experience and the fact that like in that moment he's like oh you know and like she's just getting more and more and he's like will I I take your wine (laughs) as if like you know this will be the one time we ever have to talk about this and then we'll never talk about it again (laughs) like oh god and trying to brush it under the carpet and having like all their little snatched conversations that they have outside the door and everything oh but I I, I do think yeah there's some uh, snippets of what their marriage used to be uh, Mm. Like when the kids kick them out of the room and they're laughing and, and yeah, and such. like the, yeah, the, that's it. It's like it's it's not as if this happens and immediately she's like, "You're dead to me. What the fuck is wrong with you?" It's like she slowly but surely, like she's a processing while seeing his reaction to it, and the two things are happening at the same time, and he's only reacting terribly to the whole situation. So the whole thing just. Festers. I think the most brutal bit is uh, when she he smiles to her and leans over when they're brushing their teeth. By the way, how the like that? I was half the time uh, wondering how the fuck they shot that because the camera is yeah, looking straight yeah. at the mirror. I have no idea. Like probably CGI or something. I'm assuming they just because there's a big gap there. Yeah. You know what I mean for them to take the camera out. So I'm assuming that's what it was, and it's a static shot as well. But she walks across sometimes though. Yeah. <gasps> I have no idea. There's a lot of magic going on here. Yeah. Like, it's quite Fincher-esque in a way as well. Like, Fincher without the movement, let's say. Like, the way, like, the perfectly constructed um, shots and everything and how cold everything is. And, oh, it's so Reminded beautiful. me of uh, Melancholia. <clears throat> well, like, this came on before Melancholia, I think. Uh, uh, this is 2014. Okay. So, no idea. Yeah. Maybe well, 2012 or something was Melancholia. Yeah, Melancholia is pretty old now. Yeah, like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know. 2012 was old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like the when the, as soon as this movie finished after I was watching it, yeah, uh, Alex texted me a picture that somebody sent that they took of the two of us and I was saying like, oh, I smile and uh, like being really cute, and I was like, I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like them. <laughs> I just oh, it's everything. It's just like what it says about relationships and like the complacency that you have as well like particularly whenever you have kids that like you know however much percentage of your life is just getting through the fucking day you know what I mean like dealing because like you know like the boy is quite young still they're not that far out of like the very difficult children years um and like you know as as like sort of self-sufficient as these kids are they're still quite <coughs> young still very much require their parents well, like at the same age they're about saying when my parents separated yeah uh, the it's the same reaction that it's like, are they getting divorced? Uh, oh, the even little, if the, the, the right boy. decision. Yeah, the little boy was just like, I don't want you to get divorced. And, oh, but he but li- the difference between me and my family is that my brother actually said to my mom after one of their arguments, now you have to divorce him. And yeah. Like my mom was like, Jesus, even an 11 year old can see it. Mm. On a happier note. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that. Like the... the, the the blonde 20 year old uh, Mats is dating and can't remember her name now oh, she's yeah. such a bad character I think that that is the only I think <laughs> that she, that's the only slip up yeah their a, argument because, takes a turn and it's like it starts off where you're like oh yeah and then by the end of it you're kind of like um what is it that he's trying to say about like young women and like you know it's it seems I think she her character is the most muddled in a way like they the men and Ebba seem quite you, you know their their motivations there like the the like 
the uh, the societal things around them that created them as people are quite clear. She's it's almost as if he didn't know how to deal with the fact that she's in her twenties or something. It's a bit odd. I don't know. Yeah, even how she is unable. Everybody else. What I found that it's interesting in other characters is that everybody else is able to read what the intentions of the other person is yeah. and just not understand why oh, yeah, they, yeah. they're going. But she doesn't seem to be able to empathize or sympathize with another point of view. Yeah. Because she's actually being very dickish to Matt for no reason. Yeah. And I think that it's the only part in the movie that it's like oh, black it's and white. Yeah. That like he's right and she's wrong. Yeah, and I did like I thought that it, when you said that it was a, on a date that I, I thought that it was interesting that uh, for a couple to watch it, that, like in the sense that well, this was like a second or third date or something. Oh, I didn't even know him that well. <laughs> so of like arguing afterward the movie, going like this part he's because Abba and Thomas have like the right and wrong in other bit. Like yeah. for example, that Abba is right to be pissed off. Yeah, but also not. T- telling him that she's as pissed off as she is until it's suddenly letting it all come out in front of their friends yeah and even though like they had the space for the conversation and they both agree she let it faster this is what happened we're both okay let's leave it at that yeah let's not argue or whatever there's no point to arguing and then she comes back up and brings it up that if she brought it then it's kind of, you can have a more civil conversation I mean, you're not under the influence of alcohol either yeah. it's 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 all like in a way you kind of go okay but at the same time she didn't handle it well yeah but you can at the same time it's like you can understand why she did it because the societal pressures of women not to be bitchy or niggly or whatever don't be the shrew. Yeah, and then uh, the tame hand the shrew, uh-huh. and then you have the male side that is like, don't give an inch, deny it to the ground. <laughs> That's like uh... <laughs> now, now, oh. what, what, what was it now? Now, is there any evidence? Oh shit! <laughs> you know, like that. I was gonna sit in silence. And uh, and also try to use logic mm-hmm. that, it, mm-hmm. that it, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though you're mm-hmm. the angriest person in the room. <laughs> You're trying to get the other person pissed off. So you have the upper hand of saying, you're the one that is pissed off. I'm talking it's civil so, here. It's so gaslighty. Like, and it's the fact that she's already kind of pent up anyways. Yeah, so but she just, uh, she looks more crazy in that situation than she is because of his reaction. But when it. it comes to relationships, though, I think that in a way it is kind of societal the the way that you're brought up etc that affects the way that you are but at the same time when it becomes individual things there's certain level of uh of responsibility a person has to take on board and i think that it's the 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 problem with both of them is that they realize where they did things wrong and they both decide not to pursue a course that would alleviate the situation yeah then when she realizes that they should have talked she does realize that before mm. they start drinking. Yeah. And instead of pulling him aside, she makes a scene that in fairness is not fair on him or the friends more, more importantly. <laughs> oh God, that scene is so just them kind of being like, because it's the fact that the young girl is talking as well and telling a story and out of nowhere, she just goes, we were in an avalanche. And I think that if it was like straight after the fact, yeah, that was her reaction and wouldn't have a problem with it <clears throat> because it is a, 
vivid reaction it's fine but it's because she had like three or four steps to say something mm. and also the ones that she knew she should be talking to him yeah as in the um both the realization because if she had built it up and i think that's why the the film actually works that nobody's left scot free let's say that she's oh no 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 like i think that if he was just the, you know it wouldn't work either because it would just be like it wouldn't work in the fact that in that scenario then he's just criticizing one thing and that's just that's not as that's never going to be as interesting and also i think that is uh, the part that i wasn't expecting is that they're also criticizing her for expecting him to stay yeah because it's her reaction. And like uh, Matt makes the point. That yeah. it, like in that, in that decision, split second. Yeah. It, you're not making decisions. It's like flight or like flight or flight kind yeah. of thing. And it's that thing that. what they, They're talking about uh, a disaster in the boat. The 137 survivors were. Oh, you yeah. blame them. It's because they trampled over other people. Yeah. yeah. And it's like. Okay, that's fair enough. It is that you never know what you're gonna be at that moment, and I think that it's genuine though. Like the the part that you're when he's crying that he's having the panic attack. I think he starts faking it because he's like she's like you're not oh, crying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and when he starts and he can't stop, I think that it's yeah. Uh, it was genuine at that moment realization, not of like masculinity, let's say, or pretending or whatever is the realization of his instincts uh, that well it's kind of what he says or he's like i've been living with this person yeah. like you know and he does this he does that you know does he bring up something about infidelity yeah yeah well? he said yes yeah. i've cheated yeah i'm sorry uh i think that um i just love how disgusted she is with him but part of it is also uh, in that sense is that men i find are more sexual than women not by nature perhaps but by society because we're not as punished as women are by making but a by mistake following. yeah but well making mistakes but also by yeah. following your instincts yeah. i'd say because if you're wrong as a man well, what's the wrong thing to happen well like now it's changing thankfully but before it's, the, it's an awful lot of programming that we have to deprogram yeah but like uh, at the end uh, you had your me too movement what more do you want when they go back into the room and uh, uh, the kids are hugging him and they don't understand what's going on and they're trying to get her to hug him and I was like oh Jesus I've been through that enough <laughs> oh no Jesus Christ fucking hell well like you bring a movie like this to somebody that comes from a no, fucking broken marriage Jesus. it's like it's of course gonna bring marriage no, I, know, but like, also, I was Christ. that age as well so it's very like no, i uh, feel horribly guilty what you might call it um it's like uh open wounds kind of thing you know? yeah but like I like I'm the the difference is that my dad is a cartoon villain, so it's easy to like. Mm. I think people go, oh, don't you have a problem with your dad? It's like no, he's hilarious. Like he's so over the top that like bad you that it's hilarious. A, you have a, a like a large amount of time there also, where not only time but time spent in a completely different place. Of like a kind of a like distance that's quite yeah, but like it'd be more difficult if he wasn't as bad, especially oh, because yeah. of the distance. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, like especially with the distance, if he was just you couldn't have weekends away, let's say. So even if I would go on holidays every so often to visit him, whatever, it's not the same, whatever. So I think that being like, if he was just like kind of about that, 
mm. like being more conflicted and I th- say that they have more for the lack of a better expression daddy issues <laughs> well yeah I suppose like whatever we can say about Tomas he's not like inherently a, you know he's not like a bad character he's not a bad person let's say he's just a bit of a sad person I think I saw that it was the the, the moment I saw the beginning that I was like oh Jesus the because I forgot that this was directed by your man, the the uh, by Thomas Oldberg or whatever the Ruben Oslin. Ruben Oslin. Ruben is such a cool name. I forgot that it was directed by him. So as I was watching it, and uh, uh, they walk in from the first day of skiing, mm. and she says, "Oh, we're here because Thomas is working too many hours, so he's here. This is a holiday for him to spend with his family." <laughs> And he turns around, oh, it's good to know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, it has started. I can't do cringe. Like, at least I it's like people there can't do horror movies. Yeah. I can't do cringe unless there's a point to it. Yeah. That's why I hate Bridesmaid and the whole Paul Feig oh, comedy thing. It just goes on and on and on for no reason. It's like. This movie, the movie that reminded me the most was Rachel getting married. Yeah, but that's quite a, that's quite, not constructive, but quite a tight scenario as well. Like the way he, you know, like not necessarily saying how it's shot, but like in the, in the, the way, like the things that happen within a scene, there's a very like deliberate beginning and end and point to the scene. It's not just kind of like, let's just let this roll and see how emotional we can make her. (laughs) It's like, no, because that that film would not be as devastating if it wasn't. Like the scene when, uh, Anne Hathaway is, uh, doing the, the speech in the, in the wedding, the, rehearsal dinner and it just goes on and on and on and just gets worse and worse and you're like oh but because the movie it's saying so many things and it's so interesting i'm like okay but if you just go cringe for the sake of cringiness yeah i'm I'm, i I checked out in just a brief aside about paul feig what's his uh also paul feig mr pool he's mr pool from feckin sabrina the teenage witch just in case none of you knew that, that's who Paul Feig is. And I think that's amazing. Well, Paul Feig but, um, also, uh, for all his crimes, was the main showrunner of, uh, of Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and yeah, Geeks, he yeah. found all those actors. Like he's, yeah. He is really talented. But like, I do kind of want to see his new film, though, that's supposed to be like with Blake Lively and... Um, Anna Kendrick? Yeah, that's, I don't like Anna Kendrick. But, uh, oh, God, I really don't like her. But um, nice. <laughs> we just rewatched the Twilight movies as well. And she is the worst thing about the Twilight movies. I hate her so much. But I still want to see that because it sounds so confusing yeah like, <laughs> like uh, I, I actually kind of enjoyed the new Ghostbusters but like the problem is just that it's men that's what I find with Paul Feig I hilariously thought for a year not for years I keep confusing Paul Feig's with Mark G like movie oh. because they make the same crappy movies like no. this is war like no, nowadays yes. I think Paul Feig is slightly more let's say Bad, slightly better than McGee. Come on now. Well, like, I think the my problem with Paul Fig nowadays not to shed too much on him because I do like, I think that he's good, but I think when he went a little bit too Jude Apatow, you know, it yeah. just feel like 
comedians riffing on screen and nobody has the script no or whatever. Discipline. At least the new one seems to be that it has the bad shit crazy yeah. script and, want and to. tonal shifts that are like <laughs> continents. Yeah. Um yeah, like it's it's just it's not my it's not my favorite comedy at all. And I do still think that the uh, every frame of painting really compares like the Judd Apatow school of comedy to um Edgar Wright. As as little as I cared for Baby Driver, I do still love Edgar Wright. Yeah. And the particular brand of like incredibly precise comedy that's so visual that he does is like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but and, um, uh, everybody that does that nowadays are kind of inspired by Jacques Tati, the French director that I've been meaning to pick a movie of his for a while. Um, anyways, back to this movie. Um... Actually, strangely enough, the Jacques Tati mentioned uh, that somebody was, uh, I was on the bus the other day going to work and somebody dropped a book and there was a biography of Jacques Tati. And I was like, oh, and it didn't have a title on the cover it was just a picture of him and i go oh jacques Tati. and the person went what you know jacques Tati?" is that your best friend now no but like uh, (laughs) as typical two people that like jack Tati were were too awkward to continue the conversation (laughs) just strolled and you went out different exits on the bus as well just to avoid yeah you went the long way home you got off at your wrong stop because you didn't have to talk to just in case Yeah, but I doubt he was in the 40 as well, but he got off way before Neil Stahl. Hmm. Um. Not to be classicist, but he didn't look like a Neil Stahl kind of chap. But unlike you. Um. No, I mean that like he looked no, like I, a student and yeah. I don't like it. Neil Stahl is too far for student accommodation. So he got off in Inchicore, which is like standard. Standard. Yeah. Uh, although these th- these days people are going further and further for the yeah. old accommodation every day another more even more depressing headline in the Irish Times anyways uh, do you have any closing comments you want to make before we go to favourite I know like uh, uh, strange well like uh, I, I would say uh, that uh, this is one of the few films that I actually that I hadn't seen before that I had some idea of the plot quite recently also mm. was brought up to me because Alex recommended it to me because I jokingly said something about I imagine if there was like a zombie outbreak in uh, in a f- music festival <laughs> and uh, I left running away and then realized that it was just people in makeup and then pretended that nothing happened. She goes, that's the plot of Force Majeure. And I was yeah. like, OK. That's, uh... And then I was like, oh, can you explain it more? And she described it. Uh, but I did it like this is not a movie. It has one plot point. Yeah. Like, and most people would have gone in knowing that plot point. Yeah. So it's not. That it's, it's on the poster. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> Actually, the other thing that I would say is that I thought of uh, making a movie, a zombie outbreak movie in a movie fe- music festival. And I think that is a genius idea. That, as in rip off the Force, ma- force Majeure thing? Or as in just have a zombie outbreak? In just a- have a zombie outbreak in a music festival. But everyone would die immediately. <laughs> Yeah, but everybody's drugged up, so like it would take for a bit, like the, <laughs> like do it in real time, like do it in I ninety minutes. I feel like minutes. it wouldn't take long at all. It's just a tightly packed crowd of people. Yeah, it's but like, do it in oof, ninety minutes. All zombies. Do it in ninety minutes. There'd be an awful lot of hiding in Portaloos. I feel. Portaloos people. She's in a Couldn't escape if I wanted to. Uh- <laughs> Portaloos. <laughs> 
So why how my brain has turned into this bullshit that every time has turned that into? I, see, I see words that like relate like I can't see the poster for Codeline anymore. Codeline. Codeline. Because every time that I see it, I had to say the name of the band in the in the rhythm of Toto's "Hold the Line." Codeline. Du, du, what is that du. called on Wintertainment? It has the thing of like film titles where you have to sing a song. Oh, yeah, can't remember. Yeah, there's a whole thing that they did. Um, what the Wintertainment has an inside joke or something? Uh, what whatever. I might get to meet Jason Isaac. So fuck you. Um, <laughs> what was your favorite thing? Um, Before you glow too much. Let's see. Oh, just how uncomfortable it is, and how, but like it's uncomfortable, but so funny as well and like there's just something about being able to like handle those two things of making it feel so uneasy but at the same time making you laugh like two incredibly difficult things at the same yeah. time and but i mean also it's just so beautiful but yeah like i oh i just i i i actually i don't think i appreciated this enough the first time i saw it i actually liked it but well, you were in a date watching this on a date is my idea of hell yeah i know but like I'm weird. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember feeling very uncomfortable though. I just remember thinking it was really funny. But um, I reckon like because it's like I being on that. It would depend on the person though. He thought it was funny as well. Whereas okay. If, you, yeah. if someone that reacted very badly to it, then or was either bored or reacted badly to it, a tree of life. Um, <laughs> then. <laughs> <coughs> oh, you broke me. Uh, I broke him. Um. Uh, you know, like, but, but he had a, <laughs> he had a quite a similar, oh, can I have one? Uh, <laughs> was chewing up. Uh, he, he had quite a similar reaction to me, so it was actually fine, but, um. The, my favorite thing in the movie, I think, well, for one, I think that it was the weirdest fucking, my, the graphics card, well, not the graphics card, the internal, <laughs> Intel chip, all, all APU in my laptop. I not where you were going with this. I was like, what? In the movie? Huh? The the APU in my laptop. Yeah. Uh, the graphics part of it has been a bit dodgy. And I was watching the movie in my laptop. So there was a moment that uh, every so often, like, weird shit happens. That like, I kind of like watching movies in it because... It's so unpredictable. Like, and it's some, sometimes uh, it adds something. Yeah. And then this, it was really <laughs> weird. The time was just perfect. I couldn't even, like... I, I just had to enjoy it. I was going to screen grab it, but then I realized that if I press anything on my laptop, it sometimes, like, I have to reboot it. <laughs> so, uh, I was watching it, and the, their faces froze on the screen. Yeah. And then it cut to a shot of the ice trucks going off the road. And as they went... It, things started getting pixelated away and their faces got pixelated away and it was like the fucking trucks were pushing them away i was like i wish there was a fucking wipe here that was my favorite thing in the movie uh but uh it was really fucking like surreal moment because the, the music was like working with the pixelation the same. but i think that I think Matt is my favorite thing in the movie <laughs> because he's like in any other movie he'd be the the good guy but because he's just reinforcing the shittiness about Thomas yeah but in a pleasant way yeah 
that even the way of like big beard over explaining like just trying to like, just I trying to say was, anything. Yeah. Oh, the way that he's even explaining. Oh, yeah. In avalanches, <laughs> you have to run away because <laughs> that must have been what happened, right, Thomas? Because you think you're coming back and saving them, and I was like, "Yeah, you're so full of shit." <laughs> what was your least favorite thing? Um, probably his girlfriend. Um, I just don't think she was as well drawn, and it meant that although their scenes were kind of funny, it almost like gay. It almost you ended up siding with him at the end of it because you're just like her whole thing of like, oh it's hypothetical it's hypothetical he just didn't seem to he didn't seem to know how to deal with that character and it was kind of just it, it brought it down a little bit but at the same time I still love the just them having to sit there while this was all unfolding and the blocking of this is so great it's just oh the two couples and then the horrible line of oh yeah now I understand why your wife divorced you and I'm like <gasps> Oh no! So harsh, and they're literally still standing for the elevator. They barely left. Like it's he's like Whoa. no. She, she says that she turns the light when she finally convinces him to go to sleep. I thought she said that. No, oh. it's the it's the button in the scene, and then it just cuts to the you don't know if he turned on the light or not. He probably did. Looking at his face the next morning. Uh, what was your least favorite thing? Uh, I think it's the same. Uh, also, I don't think that the the ending is handled as well as the rest of the movie. Yeah. I think that the message is a bit muddled. But also that it's clearly trying to say a message. Like we've always said that we like endings <sighs> that can yeah, be. It's a bit too much, isn't it? It's like you don't need you don't need this. You know. It's yeah, just... like it's well shot and stuff, and it's nice. But I don't know. Like it just mm. <clears throat> it could have done without it in a way that. Or, like, if you were going to do that message, it could have been done better. Yeah. Like, I'd rather have the, the ending than nothing is, like, there's no button to it. that uh, They just left it and you're yeah. no crack. On the bus of death. <laughs> on the bus again. I can't wait to be on the bus again. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, Force Majeure. Very enjoyable. Uh, I forgot to check if it's on Netflix, actually. I don't know if it is. Probably not, because Netflix tends to not have things. But um, definitely seek it out. It's not going to be hard to find, because it got quite a lot of buzz in Cannes and different places. So um, definitely. It's I just... Wonder, it's the like two George hours. Price in Cannes. Yeah. Like it... Um, it, and then also because the square was quite high profile as well, it will not be too hard to find. But um, definitely lock it up because it's just it's 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 I say uncomfortable, but at the same time it's also just so delicious that it's it's very enjoyable. So um, yes, Ricardo, where can they find us? They can find us on Facebook, uh, the Recommendation Game on Twitter at the Rec Game on uh, Gmail, the Recommendation Game at Gmail dot com. Uh, you can find us on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud to see, to listen, to hear our old episodes. My witty descriptions of things. As a entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, and then they can also uh, find us on iTunes or your podcast carrier of choice. And if you can like it, leave a like and stuff like that, we should actually be saying this on the fucking front of the show. You say that every week, but. Sure. Yeah, but I One hate. Day. I hate podcasts that have a lot of shit at the start. It's like just yeah, get but into we it. hardly we don't know if I can have to sell Squarespace <laughs> or Blue <laughs> Apron. I would love that sponsors. I want something really fucking random though, <laughs> like like carpets or something. <laughs> Joe's fucking dark and Matt's, takeaway. <laughs> I want mixed mattresses. Um, mixed like. <laughs> 
was a ghost mattress is the one that they come in a box that is like meant to be tiny and one in one of the podcasts the guy goes i bought three of those just because i liked how they all because you just cut the ribbon and the mattress that's what my, as well that's, if you buy them from ikea it's the same like i took mine home on the bus because it's literally rolled up into a thing no i can't and you have to leave I it for understand. like you have to leave it for um, for like everything to come up to kind of like settle. So you leave no. it for like 24 hours. It's amazing. You unroll it and it just goes... Don't understand. Science. Sorcery. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, next week's movie is uh, Ricardo's birthday. Yay. Even though Ricardo's birthday was last week. Uh, Ricardo, what are you picking? I'm picking uh, Mississippi Grind. Yay. Is or is the fair Alex going to be doing that? Yes. Excellent. Hopefully. Um... Yes, that'll be next week. Um, yeah, so uh, until then, I was Orla Benitez. I was Ricardo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>